0: I'm going to ask you to pray. It's in your benefit that you pray, because you're going to be polite and sit here for the next half hour, no matter how he preaches. (laughs) And so, uh, let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing on Tim, as he shares your word with us this morning. Lord, we just ask that your peace would be upon him. We open our hearts each of us, to hear what you're saying. Holy Spirit, you're the one who leads us into truth, so we ask that you would do that today and that we would be enlightened, but we'd also be better equipped to minister to you how you want us to and to build the church that you're building. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, so Russ has uh, uh, already alluded to, uh, we're we're four weeks in and we've been spending some time, Just we have this unique opportunity as we kick off something new to establish some cultures and cultures like uh, something that's in yogurt that permeates the whole thing or yeast in a a batch of bread. Um, So our first week we talked about the most important covenant relationship we have which is uh, belonging to Jesus and what, uh, what a relationship with him looks like. Um, we had some visitors from the US in week two and uh, um, just had an incredible time as they ordained uh, Russ and his wife Mary who's out with the kids uh, into uh, eldership or leadership over this church and uh, yeah just uh, that the answer to a poor or wrong leadership is not no leadership but it's, uh, it's following the biblical pattern set out for us in like, godly servant-hearted leadership and I won't forget that day for a long time so it was, uh, it was really good. And we talked last week about uh, the Valley of Dry Bones from Ezekiel 37, where uh, uh, God has spoken this scripture over this church and this church plant so many times, and we, we unpacked what it looks like to um, uh, have the Spirit breathing life where there is dryness and death and bringing things back to life. So now we're going to talk about worship, and I don't think any of those things are in any order of priority, <laughs> but this has fallen to me, and... Uh, Worship is the key to unlocking the presence and the life of God, and it's part of the vehicle that the Spirit uh, will use to breathe life into those dry bones. So, we've already prayed, but I'm going to pray again because I really need help. Um, <laughs> God, would you? Uh, uh, I, I pray that uh, my words would be Your words this morning, Lord. That any uh, any rubbish that uh, falls out of my mouth that's not from You, Lord, that uh, that would just fall away. But uh, the things that are from You, God, I just ask they would fall into good soil and uh, and be received this morning in Jesus' name. So a culture of free, unrestricted, totally abandoned to Jesus, extravagant worship is something I believe and I think we all believe God really wants to establish here. A culture of unrestricted, totally abandoned to Jesus, extravagant worship is something that we want to see uh, here and it's something that we believe God wants to do in our midst. Uh, Where our time together is attractive to the presence and the life of God as we lift up Jesus from a place of revelation, from the Holy Spirit, of understanding who Jesus really is. And you'll forgive me if I read from notes this morning. If I don't, we'll still be here in an hour and we'll all be very confused. Uh, So what is it? Why do we do it? And why is it so important? I'm going to give you the points up front, and I felt God showed me these during the equip time in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago that some of us went to. Um, If you haven't already booked to go next year, book now, you need to be there. It was an incredible time. So, Uh, the Points all start with R, so that means it must be God. Um, So here they are. Uh, Worship is our response to the revelation of the resurrected Redeemer. That's Jesus, but Jesus doesn't start with R. So... (laughs) So it's our response to the revelation of the resurrected Redeemer. And we're going to unpack uh, what all those things mean. So point number one, our response. Firstly, worship looks like something. It's a response. I'm going to read you some popcorn scripture. Psalm 95.1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our praises to our protector who delivers us. Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the sky which testifies to his strength, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with a blast of the horn, praise him with a lyre and the harp, maybe, praise him with a tambourine and with dancing barb, praise him with stringed instruments and the flute, praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with clanging cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So praise is noisy. Colossians three sixteen. let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, all with grace in your hearts to God. Psalm 102, worship the Lord with joy, enter his presence with joyful singing. Ephesians five eighteen. and do not be drunk with wine which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord. Psalm 9.1, I will thank the Lord with all my heart. I will tell about your amazing deeds. I will be happy and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to you, O sovereign run. James 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone in good spirits? He should sing praises. Romans 15.90, you getting the picture? And thus the Gentiles glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, because of this, I will confess you among the Gentiles and I will sing praises to your name. 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. what should you do then, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each one has a song, has a lesson, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all these things be done for the strengthening of the church." Hebrews 2.12, singing, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And Zephaniah 3.17 is one of my favourites. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. I could go on and on and on and on. And it would seem from these scriptures and many, many others that God has designed us to respond to him with singing and praise. We're told that God himself even sings over us. So clearly creativity, music and singing together is something that our God is really into and has been given to us as an incredible gift to express our worship to Jesus in a way that amplifies the meaning of just our words. So don't think too hard about this or it'll mess with your head. But have you considered at face value how kind of weird music is? So we'll nerd it up a bit. So sound is just air moving back and forth at a given rate in such a way that our ears interpret that movement into an electrical impulse, into our brain. And uh, some sounds are just annoying, like a fire truck or an ambulance or me going... Ee! Um, that's annoying. I, I've got lots of other annoying noises. <laughs> but some sounds put together take those interpretations in our brain... And they connect them with our emotions, and make us feel and express stuff, which is nuts. Um, It's got to be by by design. And so I don't have to talk so much. I've got some video clips, and I want to show you one of those now. Hopefully, this works. Check this out. If we take that away. Totally missed my point. (laughs) Let me find another piece of this for you. It's all gone. Never mind. Let's skip all that. So what happens from there is... uh, this same, uh, same clip is, uh, is played about half a dozen times with different background, and one of them is like the Benny Hill theme. And, but you, you watch this thing and, and just respond to it in a completely different way because of what we hear, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, same footage and scenario, but well, the way we hear it makes us relate to it in totally different ways, and that's just bizarre. Um, but hey, surely that's just how we evolved, and we crawled out of the slime with that built into us. Or or maybe an incredibly creative God created us in his image as creative beings and connected those dots for us to give us this gift to respond to Jesus and all that he is. All right, so we've come to church and we're going to get our song on and we're going to praise and worship our King. And what does that look like and why? How do we respond? Why do we do the stuff that we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Firstly, there is no rules or formulas, but here's some guidance or maybe just some humor and we'll try this other video and see if it works. Give it well.
1: And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Am I here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? Some of you are trying, you're like, I can't. I want to, I need to get some momentum. Totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to hand raising church, you wanna go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you gotta join right in, okay? Start slow, we got a lot of different hand raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand raises. So I'm gonna walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready, carry the TV. Carry the TV, that's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen, big screen, a little wider. Next one's, my fish was this big, my fish was this big. If you're a liar, you go out there, that's fine, don't worry about it. Jesus Loves You, Grace. Next one's Hold My Baby. Hold My Baby. Got Dueling Light Bulbs. That's our next one, Dueling Light Bulbs. Got Goal Post. Everybody knows Goal Post. Throw in a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to Goal Post. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves. Give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. You're
0: set. He's a funny guy, it's all over now. (laughs) Right, serious? Very serious. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the Bible talks about praise and worship all the time. And our expressions of worship are part of our makeup in being created by God in His image. And so uh, to prove how smart I am, let's uh, get back to a couple of Greek and Hebrew words which explain some of the outward expressions that we see just to prove that we didn't make this stuff up. It's been there since the beginning. So Yadah. Is a, uh, is a word that's commonly translated uh, to praise in English in the Bible, which r- literally means to throw out the hands. Uh, so some scriptures from uh, 2 Chronicles give thanks, Yadah, to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. So I will bless thee as long as I live. I will, Yadah, lift up my hands in thy name. That's from Psalm 63. Or, well, Oh, that men would praise Yadah, the Lord, for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's Psalm 107, 15. So where else do we see people throw their hands up? At concerts? At sporting events? At a hole-in-one? At an engagement celebration? (laughs) And why do we do this? Because it's the way we were made. God made us with inbuilt mechanisms to praise him. One of the most commonly used words for worship in the Bible is a Greek word, or translated from a Greek word, proskuneo, which expresses itself uh, to prostrate oneself, or to kiss the hand towards, or to literally throw oneself flat on the ground in reverence and awe, to get on our face before the King of Kings. So that's not new, that's been happening in the Bible since the beginning. So when the Bible is speaking to us about praise and worship, it is calling us to some very obvious outward expressions. And people have said before, probably in an attempt to shut down uh, worship, that, uh, that these physical expressions are just carnal. It's all just hype. It's not so. It's the way we were made. And David danced before the Lord, uh, wearing only an apron. And perhaps we don't need to get that literal. But uh, key in all of this, though, and one of the things I want you to really take home today, is that corporate worship, that's all of us together on a Sunday morning, is one of the ministries of all of the saints. That's everybody here. That's all of you guys. The worship worship isn't something that we come to church to observe or to witness. It's something that we all actively engage in. It's a team sport. It's not a spectator thing. It's like basketball. It's not golf. (laughs) As saints, worship is something we'll all be doing for all of eternity. As a priesthood, that's all of us, when we come together for corporate worship, we are all adding our voices together and praise, uh, which creates a synergy that is greater than the sum of our individual parts. Psalm 1 tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we come together to praise, God promises to come and be manifestly present with us. Corporate worship is one of the most important ministries of the saints, that's all of us, and it's the one we'll be doing for all of eternity we better get used to the idea now. Uh, music and creativity is given to us. It's not carnal. We're created that way. And so to live in a place of willing response, it will only come through our own personal, not somebody else's, relentless pursuit of Jesus Christ. And when we do this, He reveals Himself to us through the Holy Spirit. That's what revelation is. You can't live on a borrowed truth and you can't stand on a secondhand revelation which makes a nice segue to point number two, which is Revelation. Turn with me to John sixteen twelve. It'll come up on the screen, I think. Yep. So the Spirit comes to glorify the Son, giving us a greater revelation of who He is. So verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak truth on His own, he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me and he will make known. <laughs> the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So we need to worship from a place of revelation. And that is worship that is empowered by and it's attractive to the Holy Spirit who comes to glorify Jesus and reveal more to us about him, which in turn leads us to even deeper worship as we understand more about who he is and round and round and round we go. We'll talk about who Jesus is, or who the Jesus is that we worship in the next point. But have you ever been um, watching a sport or an interest or drag racing or something like that with someone who is really into it? And something cool happens and they keep saying, did you see that? I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here. Did you see that though? (laughs) And as we focus on and lift up Jesus in worship, the Holy Spirit will always come and tip petrol on that fire, saying to us, did you see this about Jesus? Did you know that? Come with me. Let me show you more about how awesome he is. This is what the Spirit does, how much he loves you, etc. And sometimes I'm sure that we've all been in meetings where it seems like the Holy Spirit is treated like a shy puppy who we try and sing a lullaby to in an attempt to coax him out of the corner and come and play. He's already here. He's been here since Pentecost and he wants to be here a whole lot more than you do. And he didn't have any trouble getting out of bed this morning. It's him who draws us into the throne room to be at Jesus' feet. If you're waiting for the worship leader to sing your favorite song so you can enter in, it's like trying to sew the veil of the Holy of Holies back up again. Worship's not just about the experience of being in the presence of God, it's about getting the presence of God into you to glorify Christ. So our desire to see the Spirit of God moving in our midst all the time, the key to unlocking this is to pursue Jesus relentlessly. And you'll notice the couple of songs we sang before and the songs we're going to sing after, they're all just glorifying Him. Worship Him in spirit and truth. And there's two things going on in this. Firstly, as we've already said, the Spirit is attractive, uh, attracted to our worship of Jesus. But also in that process, our awareness shifts away from ourselves and onto what He is doing. We're positioning ourselves to get our eyes and thoughts off ourselves and onto Jesus the King. We're being welcomed beyond the veil and putting ourselves in a place to hear what He wants to say to us and be led where He wants to take us. This is so fundamental to what we want to do as a church here. We want to hear God's ideas. God's vision be obedient to the things God is leading us into and when we worship it opens the floodgates to hear his voice Jesus will build his church we just need to get on board with what it is that he is already doing not begging him to bless our ideas and what we want to do can I read you a little bit of Spurgeon which was delivered on October the 14th 1894 and don't get worried about his reformed ideology it doesn't matter here (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just beautiful words. So, it is the chief office of the Holy Spirit to glorify Christ. He does many things, but this is what he aims at in all of them, to glorify Christ. Brethren, what the Holy Ghost does must be right for us to intimidate, imitate. (laughs) Therefore, let us endeavour to glorify Christ. To what higher ends can we devote ourselves than to something to which God the Holy Ghost devotes himself? Be this then your emotional prayer. Blessed Spirit, help me ever to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Observe that the Holy Ghost glorifies Christ by showing to us the things of Christ. It is a great marvel that there should be any glory given to Christ by showing him to such poor creatures as we are. What? To make us see Christ, does that glorify Him? For our weak eyes to behold Him, for our trembling hearts to know Him and to love Him, does that glorify Him? It is even so, for the Holy Ghost chooses this as the principal way of glorifying the Lord Jesus. He takes of the things of Christ, not to show them to angels, not to write them in letters of fire across the brow of night, but to show them to us. Within the little temple of a sanctified heart, Christ is praised, not so much by what we do or think as by who? By what we see. This puts great value upon meditation, upon the study of God's word, upon silent thought and upon the teaching of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to throw and worship. For Jesus says, he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. Here is a gospel word from the very outset of our sermon, poor sinner conscious of your sin, it is possible for Christ to be glorified by him being shown to you. If you look to him, if you see him to be a suitable saviour, an all-sufficient saviour, if your eyes, mind's eye takes him in, if he is effectually shown to you by the Holy Spirit, he is thereby glorified. Sinner as you are, unworthy apparently to become the arena of Christ's glory, yet shall you be a temple in which the King's glory shall be revealed. And you, poor heart, like a mirror, shall reflect his grace. Wowzers. Point three resurrected. But can I ask you this? What's your image of Jesus? Or who is the Jesus that you worship when we come together? The way we see Jesus is going to have a defining impact on the way we express our worship. So perhaps for you, he's like, uh, like Greg, who you bump into at the pub every now and again, and you really like. He's everyone's mate. Oh, I never met a Greg I didn't like. He's a really decent guy who did some great stuff. He's a great bloke. Or perhaps he's the away in a manger Jesus, peaceful baby in a manger who came at Christmas time and never cries. Or he's the Casper the Ghost Jesus, a friendly, peaceful guy who means no harm, wafting around, wearing a white sheet, riding on a donkey, going around being nice and doing good things. Or maybe he's the Jesus suffering and crucified, beaten and broken for us, sanctified on the cross at Calvary, his mercy and blood poured out for us. Or the Jesus who defeated death and walked out of the tomb, who appeared to his mates and disciples. And while some of those are true, and I suggest that those image, images of Jesus are not where it ends, how about the right here, right now, Jesus? Let's go to Revelation 1, verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. This is John. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters." In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is Jesus right here, right now. So some context here. Before his ascension, John and Jesus were really close. He described himself as the disciple Jesus loved, which is pretty keen and bold in itself. John was the guy resting his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. But when John was reunited with Jesus in this revelation, it wasn't all hugs and fist bumps. When we see Jesus in all of his resurrected ascended glory when he saw him he fell at his feet as though dead, he thought he was going to die. And when Saul slash Paul encountered the right here right now Jesus on the road to Damascus he was literally blinded by his glory and totally changed in every way in a moment. And this is a powerful Jesus who has overcome all and rules over all, he's an indescribable Jesus, words fail to describe him. He's so indescribable and far from our ability to compute That our response, should we see him face to face, is to fall at his feet as though dead. This is the Jesus that we worship. This revelation of him demands a response from us. This Jesus is at work in and through us, and it's this Jesus who is building his church. All right, on the home stretch, point four Redeemer, because that starts with R, or Jesus. So our last point is simply this. Our worship is all about Jesus, only him. And when we understand this, all of our preferences fall away. We don't care if we like the songs or not. We don't care if it's too loud or too soft. It doesn't matter if we can't sing a note or if we dance and look like a deranged octopus because it's not about us, it's about him. And when someone says, I don't, didn't like the worship today, don't be surprised if the response is, oh, I'm sorry, you must be confused. We weren't worshipping you. <laughs> or worse, that's okay, I don't like your shirt much either, so we're even. <laughs> Our worship is first for Jesus and not to be impressive to others. It is first to be attractional to the Holy Spirit, not to people. People are attracted to the spirit and the life of God, not attracted to our impressive music. Not that there's anything wrong with using our gifts or abilities skillfully, and we practice and we do all that stuff, but it's the tool and the vehicle. It's not the end goal. Mm -hmm. We don't come here to show off Mm -hmm. and be impressive. We come here to sing to the King. Jesus accurately represented and worshipped is attractive to everyone. He will make himself relevant to anyone. That's not our job. Jesus lifted up will draw all men to himself. His worship is about the heart, not the art. And can I say that the moment our songs deviate from Jesus, we're becoming religious. We need to be careful about getting stuck on songs that are introspective, uh, all about our needs. And there is a place in the realm of worshipping in spirit and truth to be honest and bring ourselves and all our stuff before him, but we have to move through that. And always default back to declaring who he is. And it's something you've probably noticed happening, I certainly have, in the songs that are being written all around the world. It's like we've moved through this progression of I'm so lost. Woe is me, I'm a worm, and you're not a worm, and songs to that effect. Uh, All of my needs, gimme, gimme, gimme. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, me, me. To so, uh, what, what you can do, or what you've done for me, or what you are doing. But most importantly, we've arrived at this place which is amazing of who you are, Jesus. So in wrapping up, imagine if we were all leaders and as a royal priesthood, when we come here on a Sunday we charge together into the throne room without waiting to be led there. Imagine if we came on Sunday raring to go, prayed up and uh, asking God what it is that he wants to do in our midst. If we all took responsibility for setting the temperature, um, over on the wall there, there's a thermostat and uh, you set the temperature on that thing and that's, that's how warm it is or cool it is in this room. Or we could be thermometers which just respond to what's going on in the room. And if we took responsibility for setting the temperature by being that thermostat, not a thermometer, if we understood that we are all in the royal priesthood, priesthood of all believers, and worship is something that we all do, it's not just a spectator sport. It's not just for musicians who are gifted in it. It's for every one of us. Can you imagine what that would look like? The way Jesus would build his church, in that picture. I'm going to wrap it up there. Lord God, I thank you um, for your word. And I thank you for this gift that we have. Um, This incredible tool that you've given us to communicate our love and our feelings and our emotions. I'm sorry, guys. to communicate that to you in a way that our words um, would fall short but that's such an incredible gift and uh, we we thank you for that and we just uh, respond to you now in a moment and just say through our worship Lord may you be honoured and glorified may you be lifted up may our focus from the outset from um, the very beginning of Redemption Hills Church be that we come to worship you King Jesus in spirit and truth that there is no other name we will lift up as a church. And so we honour you and we thank you for being here.